What's your mom? A working mom. And what did she write? The working the mom. The working mom blueprint. blueprint. And what should they do? Go buy, buy it today. The Working Mom Blueprint is now available wherever books are sold. Go grab it for yourself, for a friend, for a sister, for a colleague, so we can help working moms, all moms, to thrive, not just survive on their motherhood journey. Welcome to the Modern Mommy Dog Podcast. I'm Dr. Whitney Caceres. I'm a full-time pediatrician and a full-time modern mom. I speak and write about equipping mamas to raise resilient, healthy children and to invest in their own social-emotional health along the way. Each week, we'll give you the practical tools you need to win at parenting without losing yourself. And thank you so much for joining us on the Modern Mommy Doc podcast. Today, my guest is Susan May. She is the author of Nick's New Heart, 30 Years and Counting. I am thrilled today to hear about this incredible story of Susan and her son, Nick. Susan, thank you for being here today. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I'm excited to tell Nick's story. I'm a really proud mom. And uh, thankfully, even a a proud grandmother. (laughs) That's pretty awesome. That's pretty awesome. So I want you to take us back 30 years. Tell us how this whole saga began, this whole adventure began, to put it in a positive light. And um, and tell us kind of uh, how this all got started. Well, uh, Nick is the youngest of my four children. If he had been born three weeks earlier, I would have had four children under the age of four. And we had no idea that he was going to be born with a heart birth defect. Um, the At that time, they didn't do ultrasounds routinely. It was considered uh, an extra charge on insurance. And, you know, we were a young family and, and we did not uh, care to know the sex. So there wasn't a reason to do Uh, an ultrasound. So when Nick was born, it was a complete surprise that he had heart problems. And it was a complete surprise that they were as severe as they were. Um, He did weigh a nice weight. He weighed eight pounds and eight ounces. And that that turned out to be um, to his advantage, obviously. And so we were told I I had Nick and they they said, um, we're going to watch him a little bit, but we don't think there's going to be a problem. When he was about 12 hours old, the pediatrician called me to the neonatal unit and said that there was, told me that Nick didn't get enough blood to his uh, fingers and toes, that there was some type of heart problem, and that he was going to be sending him to um, what was then Eggleston Children's Hospital. It's now um, the uh, Children's Health Care of Atlanta at Eggleston. And um, terrified is the only way I can describe it. 
uh, we, my husband and I, you know, old people had heart problems, not, not babies. And, um, we, we just had to regroup. In fact, he went to the hospital with Nick and I had to stay in the, uh, at the hospital. They wouldn't release me for another day. Yeah, absolutely. I can imagine. And actually, I've been there taking care of those babies uh, as a pediatrician myself. And I know the the horror that comes for parents when, you know, of course, especially 30 years ago, when you weren't able to even to predict what might be potential problems happening because the ultrasounds weren't as, as advanced. Thankfully, now we do have more technology to be able to detect heart conditions prior to babies being born. But here you were thinking that you would have this baby who had a perfectly normal heart and then to all of a sudden have all of this, all of this chaos that was really around the birth. Yeah. And were you all alone, the two of you, dad and you, or did you have family that was around too that was a support? I did have, I did have family around, um, uh, my husband's family lived close and and so did my my mom my father had passed away but um so we had help and um my husband my husband's family uh, mom and dad went with him to the hospital uh, to see about nick and my mom came and stayed with me and then later on my mother um you know took care of my children because i had three small children at the same time that needed care and um, and then I had this child that was an hour away from my well, no, he was two hours away from my home at that time. So, you know, it was it was a juggling act to make sure everybody was taken care of. Plus, we had friends that helped us as well. So, Susan, so you had this child. They told you that he needed to go to the intensive care unit. They told you he needed extra care. And did they say okay, he needs to have a surgery right away. I mean, how urgent were the needs that he had to really keep him alive? Uh, he had, he, it was pretty urgent. He, um, he had his first heart surgery when he was five days old. And the, um, they waited over the weekend. The doctor explained, hey, we want him to get a little stronger and we want our uh, staff to be well rested before they went in. It was an all day affair. Um, he, Nick had what was called a Norwood procedure, which is, it was a brand spanking new uh, type of heart surgery for uh, babies that had um, heart problems. And what Nick had, he had out of the six major heart problems that you can be born with, he had four of them. He, he was missing, missing a chamber of, of his heart. He was missing the right lower chamber, which made him... Um, an odd hyperplastic left heart person. He also had transposition of the great vessels. He had um, a uh, narrowing in his aorta, and then he had a septal defect as well. All of those within themselves are an issue, but compiled together, he just had a messed up heart. So um, the Norwood procedure was there just to get him through uh, part of his infancy, we were told he would have an additional heart surgery around the age of two. So that's what we were living, we were living with. Um, we were given a 50-50 chance that he would survive the first initial surgery, but Nick, Nick did exceptionally well. Went on to um, spend t- only two weeks in the hospital, but I had to learn to put a feeding tube in his nose, down into his stomach, (laughs) 
uh, before I could take him home, not to mention all of the medicines that I was given uh, and a timeline to give those medicines in. So uh, what was already a busy house became a, um, a even busier home, to, to say the least. My, uh, my child care as a mother went up exponentially with, with having Nick. And, and how did you deal with that emotionally? What were the things you called on to get yourself through that really tough time? Because when you become a mom, I mean, you already had several other children, but when you bring home a newborn, no matter how many kids you've had, it is a stressful time. And then to bring a newborn home who has all of these issues, what were the things that you used to cope with that really, really difficult time? Well, I have a real strong faith, and that was one of them, because I I really feared that Nick was going to die. And um, I, wor- I, I worried about initially, well, how was that going to affect my other children? Because, you know, they knew, that, especially the oldest one knew that, that we were, um, he was going to have a new brother or sister. But also is if Nick lived, what it was going to be like for him, for my, for his siblings, say he lived to be, you know, ten or or twenty or what, or even what he is now, uh, thirty-two. He they would have to um, live with him passing away uh, um, as well as his parents would. So so that was a concern, and also um, you know, it it costs money to have a sick child. And I have a really sick child. It costs a whole lot of money. And I had to be creative about how I dealt with the bills and, and, and handling all of that. But my husband and I, um, we had a strong, or we still do. I've been married to him for 38 years, but still have a, a strong marriage and um, depended on that. But it, it was a really nice to have family that lived close by. It would have been very difficult if I hadn't have had help. And I, I tell you, I, we had the best doctors and nurses, at bar none. I, I, I would put them up against any in the world at how great they were and how supportive they were. And all of those things came together to, um, to make a, a mixture of where you could survive. But And also, I had to... My husband tends to see the glass half full, and I tend to see, or I see it half full. He tends to see it um, half empty, and in that middle there, we find a reality, and and that was important, too. You know, I I think about uh, what you're saying about siblings, and I really can relate to that. That resonates with me. I have one daughter who has a lot of special needs, and a younger daughter who doesn't. And I think just as much about that younger daughter and how to make sure that she gets the love and the attention that she needs and how she's coping with a sibling who struggles a lot, you know, and how to make sure she doesn't a get left in the dust or, you know, have to have some emotional scars. We all do from our siblings, but, but uh, you know, having her have the the least amount possible. And so I hear that, you know, a, a mother's heart when you have multiple children is always, 
um, for all of your kids. And even as you have a child who is really struggling and you're really worried about them in that moment, you always have your other kids in, in the back of your mind or in the front of your mind thinking about how it will affect them as well. So then you were going to have this later surgery, and then, but he ended up having a, a transplant. I mean, talk to me about what happened with the heart transplant. Well, he had the first that first surgery. Then when he was three and a half months old, he had to go in for a pulmonary repair. He had that, and while he was um, on the uh, operating table, he he almost died. They were uh, so they they resuscitated him and got and got him back. But this they had nicked the nerve to his diaphragm. He spent seven weeks in ICU on a respirator. The first four weeks, I um, li- basically lived at the hospital. And then the last three weeks, uh, my oldest one was starting kindergarten. And I felt like that I needed to be at home with him uh, when he started a, such a big deal as school. So uh, we lived two hours away. So I would drop my oldest one off at school at 730 in the morning. I would drive two hours to Atlanta. I would visit with Nick for two hours, and then I would drive home and be there to pick up uh, the oldest one at three o'clock in the afternoon. And I did that um, for three for three weeks. So on the weekends, my husband and I would go down and stay at the Ronald McDonald House. And I went. I remember my mom says, "You know, you do you need to go every day?" And I felt like I did. I needed Nick to know that I wanted him to get better and that we all wanted him to get better. And I, I'd seen babies that had been left in ICU and nobody came to visit them. And I couldn't stand that. And I, I said early on, that isn't going to be my child, (laughs) you know, but um, those, those Mm -hmm. were difficult days, but he did, Mm -hmm. he came out. Now he had a lot of learning dis, uh, he was, slow uh, and had a lot of time to um to make up but he did and um when he was a year old he had to have another heart, uh, pulmonary repair on the left side and this time they almost lost him on the operating room table and he they were going through uh under his his arm and that he wasn't tolerating that well so they flipped him over and opened him up again through um his chest so he was returned to me where you could only hold him by his neck and by his butt because he had these big incisions. So um, when it was two years old, or he was coming around to two years old, his uh, Dr. Kurt Canner is his heart surgeon, asked me how I, uh, or we were looking at the next stage of surgery because the pulmonary surgery was not part of the original picture. And he called me one day, Dr. Canner did, and asked me if I was sitting down. And I told him, no, but I can be. And I did. And um, picked up Nick, who was crawling around at my feet. And he said, how do you feel about a heart transplant? And I told him, I said, well, we think they're, you know, good things if you need one. And uh, but a heart transplant had always been a backup plan. When all else failed, then we would do that. We just thought maybe Nick would live 20 years with his heart after 
having, you know, the surgery. And I'd certainly not anticipated doing it when he was a year old because he wasn't quite, well, he wasn't quite two. So, and uh, when we started talking about it and uh, we, you know, you have so many blood transfusions, there's a chance for antibodies. And so he had to have an antibodies test and we just felt like he's going to have a high amount of antibodies. There's just no way. Turned out he didn't have any. Uh, no, and uh, well, that's not exactly accurate. He has antibodies. He just didn't have ones that would fight the uh, the uh, donated organ, and so um, he was placed on the uh, United Network of Organ Sharing transplant list and waited for a heart. And uh, we were um, we were floored by that. Also, you know, that just wasn't what we had anticipated at all. But um, I find it uh, not not that I that we are amazing, but I um, you know there's not many links that a parent won't go to to save their child, uh, um, and that's where we were. Wow! Um, and I just want to let people know. I mean, we do transplants more often now in medicine, but at that time, I mean, that was sure. unheard of to do a transplant on a baby that young. <laughs> I mean, tell me, he was one of the very first heart transplants in a baby that young, correct? Yes. Yeah. Of, of our, um, he was one of just a handful that were under the age of two. Um, uh, the, one of uh, the first 150 in the United States under the age of 18. Most heart transplants, uh, even today, still take place in teenagers. And um, you'll you'll hear about the babies, but the teenagers there that's the the largest population. And um, so it was, yeah, it it wasn't commonplace by any stretch of the imagination, and we. It it's still it's still pretty you know kind of cutting edge. And at one time, I you know I always thought Nick would be the he's at the edge of the envelope. And as time's gone on, he's continued to be at the edge of the envelope in, in his medical care because to have lived to be an adult with a heart transplant from being a child is is not is not at all common. I mean, there's there's only um, one other per one other person that I can find that has um, outlived Nick into adulthood. So, so it's pretty. Yeah, it, we try not to think of him as wow, that kind of inc- special kid. It's incredible. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's incredible. I really, I'm really proud. Um, of and for those of you out there. That of course you're proud of him, as you should be. Yeah. For those of you who who do not have organ donor on your driver's license, y'all, this is the moment to go sign up for that. Okay, put it everywhere that you want to be an organ donor because the thing is, it does take a very specific match. Um, it it is a very specific process in terms of donor uh, organ donation, and so as many people as possible who are willing to donate their organs, if they do pass away, um, uh, it does make a huge difference for saving lives. And I know that that is a big platform that you have, Susan, that you are really passionate about helping to educate and advocate for organ donation. Oh, yes. I firmly believe in Oregon. Uh, I, the nice thing is, is that was not a hurdle that my husband and I had to get over. 
we were both organ donors but prior to Nick. But, um, you know, people think, oh, no, that doesn't really matter. Or, I don't, you know, they didn't know uh, people that needed organs. But um, Nick has uh, had 30 years of life that we, he would have never, ever had had an opportunity for if it hadn't been for a, for a heart transplant. And not only that is he's a daddy of a two, well, she'll be three next week, a three-year-old. And um, Ava Grace wouldn't be in this world. And uh, she's a, she's a really sweet kid, you know? So um, the uh, it organ donation saves lives. And I don't think people realize how much organ donation saves families. Um, yeah, because it was very much a family affair that Nick has an, a, uh, uh, a heart transplant. And that, um, you know, every time I sit down at the table and my whole family's there, and there's 17 of us now, immediate family, and, and they're all at this one big large table, what it would be like um, to miss one of them. And uh, so, yeah, it it um, it's a big deal. It's a real big deal. And I encourage people that um, that are listening. If you're not an organ donor, really think about it. But the most important thing is, if you want to be an organ donor, is you need to tell your family. You can sign your driver's license. You could sign a card. But if you don't tell your family, they can still say no. And um, and and organs uh it saves lives that's there's no other way around that it is time to run not walk to your bookstore or have your fingers do whatever is the equivalent of running to the amazon store to online to purchase our new book it's called the working mom blueprint winning at parenting without losing yourself it is a labor of love. I'm so excited to deliver this book baby to you and to help you really feel like you are winning at parenting without losing yourself, mama. If you want to also check it out at the library, it's there, borrow it from a friend. However, I just want you to get this solid information so you can start thriving, not just surviving in motherhood. Tell me about what it was like for Nick and for you with him being a child who had extra needs, a child who was at school and um, maybe had limitations or who had to go to extra doctor's visits all the time or who needed extra care. Tell me how that impacted your family and impacted him. Now, I treated Nick and his trips to the doctor and stuff that they were very matter of fact. And when we would go for a trip to the hospital or, or and, and they were, thankfully they were just, day, they would be day trips, long days, but day trips um, as kind of taking a little block out of the wall. And then when we came back in, came back home, we put the block back in the wall and we started just where we were. So I was a, um, a big proponent of, my other children did not missing school, not missing birthday parties. I did not want them to grow up to resent Nick. And uh, and apparently that's really worked well because they don't 
they, we never treated Nick any different than the others. He had chores and he had responsibilities and um, as a member of the family. And uh, even my other children now, they talk about it, you know, more as adults. They said, well, we didn't see him as anything particularly special. We knew he had a heart transplant, but y'all treated him a matter of fact and, and treated him like, you know, disciplined him just like you did us. So we just thought, didn't think that much about it, you know. And um, he attended school, um, went, uh, rode the bus, and um, played, wrestled and played some ball. He was not allowed to play football, and he dearly loves football. At, but he was the manager on the high school uh, football t- team for them. So that gave him an opportunity for an end. It, um, I told him he needed to find a life sport, and, um, and he chose tennis, and he played tennis in, in high school. Unfortunately, he doesn't do that much now, but I hope that he will pick that back up. But, the, um, you know, the, he was treated like everybody else. Now, there was medicine to give and, uh, and the doctor's appointments, and if he got sick, and the 99.5 meant, uh, temperature mean we had to go to the doctor. Sometimes we managed to do that and go uh, see the doctor and actually go. He could go back to school because there wasn't anything, you know, to it. So um, I worked around that sort of stuff. But is I kept and my husband did too. Uh, my husband said, "You don't. You act like you were the only one that raised him." I did have good help, but. Um, we treated him as much as we could uh, like the others. And, and uh, he was expected to behave mm-hmm. and, and, uh, and do his part. You guys, I, I have been talking today with author Susan May about her son, Nick, and about his journey and her journey. She has a book out that talks about it called Nick's New Heart. 30 years and counting. Thank you so much, Susan. You all, you can find the book wherever books are sold. Nick's New Heart, 30 years and counting. Until next time. Hey mama, if you want more of the Modern Mommy Dog podcast, make sure that you click subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. We'd also be so honored if you shared with your friends and on social media with the hashtag Modern Mommy Dog you share about something that inspired you or that you learned from the podcast, we'll be sure to share it on our social media as well. Thanks for listening.